We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday the 13th edition, or October 13th, of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Derek Van Riper's with me like he is every Friday. Um, Derek, Eagles-Panthers. I'm going to confess, I fell asleep. But my my hometown team here, I fell asleep in the third quarter. Well... It was an hour later for you than it was for me. I was pulled in on the Cubs Nats game. So I was flipping back and forth. So I didn't see every snap or anything close to every snap from this game. But I would think that the Eagles defense, given the quality there, had more to do with Cam Newton not playing well than, you know, he had a good fantasy day because of the rushing yards and the rushing score. But under five yards per attempt, the three picks, to me, it's a function of the Eagles defense being really good i mean we're getting to a point where the eagles could arguably be like a top three top four team uh league-wide they, they might they might be that good and uh, last night was a pretty good example of, of what they can do yeah tim and i have been talking about the eagles for for weeks we both really like them and Fl- there was one play trey turner who's a pro bowl guard for the panthers was pass blocking and and fletcher cox literally just shoved him on a dead run, sh- pushed him straight back into Cam Newton. It's Just pretty impressive. Destroyed him. Um, yeah, they're a good team. Um, 
they stopped the run very well, which we knew they're good at. Okay, so we're going to talk about Christian McCaffrey again. What did I tell? I, yesterday, people were asking me about him. Hey, should I trade for him? Hey, should I start him? I'm like, if you're not in a PPR, you can't start that guy. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, like in a non-PPR league, he got you 12.4 points last night. And that's because of the touchdown, which... Right, you half, know, half was the TD. Right. And it's so hard to rely on him right now, but I... I've got him a couple places. They do happen to be at least half point PPR league. So I keep starting him as one of my two running backs and it's been, it's been okay. I've, I've survived it. I think the, the question is going forward, does he eventually take on more carries from Jonathan Stewart? Is that part of the script or is it just wishful thinking at this point based on what you've seen? Uh, I don't know. I, it might be wishful thinking. I still think there, I mean, I saw someone write this morning, Oh, maybe Stewart's done. I'm going, I don't know. The first game or two, I felt like I didn't see it. I felt like he was fine. I think it's the blocking. So, um, and I don't know that that gets better. I don't know if the run game gets better and that they just, the, abandon, they just chuck it. The maybe Stewart is done. Think piece is kind of a funny concept, but the, the Christian McCaffrey thing. Okay. So if they can't run block, but they can just dump the ball off into space and he's going to get eight catches a game the rest of the way. And he's going to get five plus yards per catch with the possibility of getting out on the edge and making big plays. Maybe that does bring his floor up a little higher than we would have thought in non PPR leagues. If, if that, if that play calling, if that design starts to replace run plays, then it doesn't really matter. Right. If, if, if it's, if instead of getting 15 carries, he gets three and then he catches 10 passes. That's not that different as far as that number of opportunities to touch the ball. And knowing how explosive he is, you would rather have him get the ball in space than have to take it out of the backfield and go between the tackles, even though I think people are underrating what he could do as a true running back. All right. But but the the, the thing there is like I, I, I logically it makes sense. But now statistically, what you're talking about is is literally a record setting pace for a running back on receptions. Yeah, but if it's it's eight receptions, it's great. If it's five or six, maybe not so much. Right. And again, he's done the the high volume thing really twice. He's had nine catches against the Saints and then 10 against the Eagles out of the games that have been played uh, so far. I think week one. I forget what he did in week one volume wise, but five. He got five. His catch per week, five, four, nine, four, five, ten. All right. So that was a five the first week, too. It, again, it, it's more of a scheme adjustment than something they would have done coming into the year. Just just a theory that if they can't figure out run blocking, that's an option for them. Who's to say if they'll actually do it? I I'm having such a hard time this year guessing what coaches want to do. <laughs> You know, like it's always been difficult, but it just feels harder than ever to figure it out. And you know, Green Bay is like this with stuff going on with Ty Montgomery with his ribs and Aaron Jones playing well. The buys a couple of weeks away, but then McCarthy was you know, higher on Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones for six weeks plus and was using Ty Montgomery so much, apparently, because he didn't trust the rookie running backs like you just. You get these combinations of, of problems that coaches are trying to solve, and you almost wonder if they don't know how they're going to solve it either until the game happens and they just kind of react and, and go about it. Like they script out the first series or two, and then from there it's just kind of like gut feel calls by them <laughs> to the point where even if they tried to tell you what they wanted to do, they might not even stick to it because game flow or something they see in the game would completely change it. 
I, I agree with you. Some of the backfield issues, that, the, the, those are the ones confusing me too. Like, all right, what are they doing with Alex Collins in Baltimore? Stuff like that. Yeah, with it's you. awful. Um, the other thing about that game, I got to tell you, I, am, I have such a crush, a fantasy crush on Carson Wentz right now. And a real-life football guy. I mean, he's just... You and I have had this conversation last week about the who's going to replace the aging star quarterbacks. That's that's my guy. That yeah, guy he's, is he's, he's just, in there. He's it. He he just he makes the thing I love about Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying Carson Wentz is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers can make every throw, you know. And Wentz last night, there was one play where he was escaping left and threw across his body to the sideline, probably 15, 20 yards downfield, and just, you know, flicked his wrist and hit a guy in the chest on the sideline. I'm watching him going, he can, every, every time I watch him, I see some other throw that he makes. So it's really, it's really pretty interesting too, because, you know, Doug Peterson working under Andy Reid and Andy Reid having a great reputation for working with quarterbacks, how much of, of that is passed down. How much of that is just Peterson being knowledgeable from being in the league himself recently. I mean, wasn't that long ago. He was a backup quarterback and he was, he was behind good, good, back, good, good quarterback and Brett Favre, a great one for a long time. And it just, I, I just wonder like how much he absorbed over the years and how much of that you know, can be attributed to a system. But Wentz's raw tools are very good. Mm-hmm. That mobility is legit. The arm strength is, is legit. The accuracy seems to be at least pretty good. And given the state of the position like we talked about last week, you got to feel really good if you're an Eagles fan, maybe for the first time in a while. But um, there was a little bit of excitement, of course, I think Chip Kelly's first year. But Carson Wentz looks like the kind of guy that could be your quarterback for 12 years or 15 years. And as we kind of talked about before, that's a pretty short list of quarterbacks right now, given the way, you know, the aging curve is for so many of the previously great quarterbacks. Right. Um, the other thing about him last night, the, the lowering the shoulder at the goal line into the Panthers' safety was was interesting. <laughs> He's running to the goal line. Did you see this play? Yeah, it, it's just like what? What are you doing? I know. I mean, it's great. It's fun. It's scary as hell, but it's fun to watch. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm a big fan of Carson Wentz, folks. All right. We would like to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now, fanball.com. If you want to catch us on Twitter anytime over the weekend, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at JHalpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates and news at Rotowire NFL, and you can also find us on Facebook. All right, starting off your buys, remember Bills, Bengals, Cowboys, Seahawks. Um, injuries, game time decision. Bilal Powell is one, which is annoying. Marcus Mariota is another, which is really annoying. I don't like the Monday night quarterback game time decision. That's that's one of the worst ones. I mean, it's it's bad when it's a running back receiver tight end, but at least more often than not with those positions, there's something else going in that game that you like. I've made my feelings about the current iteration of Matt Castle pretty well known at this point. So unless Jacoby Brissett is available in your league, as the fallback, you really can't rely on Mariota, given what we know right now, unless they provide some sort of clarity, you know, at some point between now and, and kickoff on Sunday. I mean, maybe after Saturday, because the Monday night game, the injury report from Saturday, they, they make it clear. But yeah, game time decision as of Friday, it's not it's not looking great because you just can't have a big drop off 
to Matt Castle in the quarterback spot or the super flex spot if you're in a league like that. So so if you are a let's say you're an, I don't know, 12 teamer, it's the one we always use. And you have Marcus Mariota. Considering what you what might be available on the wire, um, do you which let's say quarterbacks beyond 18 to 20, right? Do you feel comfortable going to Monday night and saying, you know what? I'm going to wait out Mariota and hold on to Brissett and, and use him if Mariota can't play. Because you know what? Brissett's a perfectly acceptable alternative. I mean, Jeff's got Brissett 14th on his value meter this week. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That so pretty if you good. actually have that option, I think you can wait it out. If you don't have Brissett and if you're, you need to fall back on Castle, I mean, if you're playing him, you're doing it maybe over the Browns quarterbacks. You know, you, you don't want to play Kevin Hogan. You don't want to play Blake Bortles. Maybe you don't want to mess with the Minnesota situation on Sunday because if Bradford were to start or something, he could get pulled early. I, I, I don't I don't know what to make of Bradford right now. It just seems like he's playing with such a damaged knee that even if he tries to start a game, you never feel great about him finishing it. It's it's a pretty short list uh, of quarterback Cutler, maybe Mitchell Trubisky are guys that you'd say, you know what, I'll take my chances on Mariota and I'll play Castle if I have to, because I don't like the way things set up for my alternatives. Eli at Denver without Odell Beckham. No way. Without Sterling Shepard and without Brandon Marshall. (laughs) I mean, that's a that's a horrible setup. I I think I'd rather if, if it came down to it. I'd rather take the chance that Mariota plays, have him not play and play Castle, than just call Eli Manning against Denver up front Sunday night. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather I, – I think Brissett would be – of all the options you mentioned, Brissett's probably my favorite. Yeah, so. I, another kind of value meter-based question now I would throw your way. If you're a Roethlisberger owner, you probably have a second quarterback you've been mixing and matching, but maybe that player's on bye this week. Would you play any of these guys over Roethlisberger right now? We'll start with Brissett in the Monday night game against Tennessee. I have Roethlisberger 17th and Brissett 19th. So that's that's at least a tough call, but yes. you, so you play Roethlisberger in most cases, then it sounds like, since so you got him ranked higher. Mm-hmm. How about Josh McCowan against the <laughs> most generous per attempt pass defense in the league. McCown going up against the Patriots versus Jacoby Brissett. I have McCown 18th and Roethlisberger 17th. And then you got, okay, so you got him behind Roethlisberger too. Yes. So they're all kind of clustered together. Yep. So, and then Brian Hoyer at, Hoyer at Washington. Hoyer 16th above Roethlisberger. So I would play Hoyer. Yeah. All right. So my, my choices came down to uh, Hoyer and, and McCown over Roethlisberger. And I ended up going with the McCown because I'm an idiot. I'm sure it'll go wrong. Like I, I, it'll be the game that New England's defense like shows up, and then the Jets fool around with Christian Hackenberg in the second half or something. It, it can only go wrong when I'm playing Josh McCown. <laughs> See the, the the thing about Roethlisberger, and look, I don't have him ranked high. Um, it's a road game and all that, which we've talked about before with him. But part of me is looking at that one, and this is this is far from advanced analysis. I understand. But I'm watching this and going, it's too easy to think he's just going to flat out be terrible again, you know, because we're going to be we're going to be writing his football obituary if he has another stinker of a game at Kansas City. And I wonder if he's sort of 
at least has a competent outing and keeps it close. Like I, I'm looking at this game and I'm going, I could see how the Steelers can steal this one because they're a good team. And, and, I, and I, I almost feel like we're, we're looking and going, oh, they're going to roll and Roethlisberger threw five picks and he's terrible and he's on the road and there's no chance he can play well. I'm going, all right, I don't like love his chances, but, you know, I'm starting to go, well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe this seems it's, – it's one of those it seems too obvious things to me. Well, he played you know, pretty well the first two games. A couple TD passes in each one. Completed like 65% of his passes in both of those games. I was on the road in Cleveland, home against Minnesota. Minnesota's defense is solid. On the road against the Bears, he played pretty poorly. Missed Martavis Bryant for a long TD, I think, on one of the first plays of the game. There was some weird stuff going on in that game at Baltimore. I mean, the Ravens' defense at times looks like it's pretty good. And then getting just owned by Jacksonville, I mean, the Jags' defense could be good. So it is easy to overcorrect. I mean, Roethlisberger looks bad, but it's also possible that a few defenses we've been overlooking or underrating have played pretty well against him. Yeah, I don't know, though. Kansas City is a good defense. They're a well-coached team. The home road thing, always always on my mind with Roethlisberger. Yes. But this, this qualifies as a tough road matchup because of the defense, because of the ability the Chiefs have to get pressure. And I, I agree. I, like, I totally agree with where you're coming from. And I'm just trying to find a slight upgrade over Roethlisberger so I don't have to hope that this just comes down to some pride and, and him just figuring it out i mean they have they have plenty of people that can make plays yes it, but for whatever reason I, I don't know what the deal is like why why doesn't he want to throw to martavis bryant more often i don't know did you see the news about him too by the way that what they, yeah, what's going on with bryant that they're talking about reducing his role hold on a second let me find this like they're going to play him for fewer snaps. He's on the field for 62 snaps. That was a season high and probably a career high. I mean, if you go back 2015, 2014, I don't remember him playing 60 plus snaps very often. Right. Um, let's see. I'm going to go to I'm on Yahoo Sports here, which is from story from Florio. Okay. Um, Eli Rogers may be emerging from the doghouse. Steelers receiver Martavis Bryant could be heading there, sort of. As explained by Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Rogers could end up playing on Sunday in Kansas City. Um, he's an inside slot guy, blah, blah, blah. Um, this could result in Juju Smith-Schuster sliding outside, giving Bryant a break. Is this like a Nelson Aguilar thing where teams just frustrated and not going to play him even though he's talented? I guess. I mean... Something I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies about starting him this week. It, no, I mean it, in a lot of cases you might have to, but yeah, look at the. I mean, I'm not using him in DFS this week, right? Either way, so <sighs> if, if they're gonna if they're gonna not play Brian as much, I hope for their sake that it's Juju Smith Schuster getting the extra targets more so than Eli Rogers. Me too, because you, you got. I mean, Eli Rogers would be that's such a low ceiling way to go. Right, just you know. to complete slot guy, kind of a Cole Beasley type, right. where it's like, sure, every once in a while he's going to get a good matchup. You throw to him underneath, and he puts up good numbers. But week to week, do you do you want to make him a big part of your game plan? No, right. he's not. He's not dynamic. Slot guys are slot guys for a reason. Yeah, generally. All right. Um, other injuries, by the way, uh, doubtful. Devontae Parker, Rob Kelly, which has me. The Devontae Parker news has me thinking about Kenny Stills 
um, even in Atlanta, which could be tough. Maybe garbage time or something. But uh, Kenny Stills is Kenny Stills is not bad. He, he, he's probably better than most people think. I wish we'd get him back on a team that had a more proficient quarterback. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in in New Orleans. I mean, sixty three catches, nine hundred and thirty one yards in his final season with the Saints in 2014. 11.1 yards per target. Mm-hmm. Crazy per target numbers during his time there. And even last year, nine yards per target when they threw it his way, nine touchdowns. He, he's a big play kind of player, and he's kind of got a little like Ted Ginn explosiveness where you can just get him behind the safety, fire it downfield, and and just burn people. I, Jay, does Jay have that in him anymore? Mm, I don't know. Jay point. just seems like the guy that's he's checking like he's he's regretting that he came out of retirement despite the 10 million dollars he's gonna make <laughs> he's hearing everybody compliment romo in the booth and going oh man that could be me <laughs> but he knows he knows he knows that everybody would just rag on him for not being as good no matter <laughs> even if jay were good people would like romo better yeah probably and they give the they show the you know <laughs> memes of jay cutler in a C, in a fox blazer smoking a cigarette which would be awesome. I, I want those anyway. <laughs> I don't know why I still like that. That should be so played out, so dumb, so over, and it's not. It's like, not. I, 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 I still like it. I agree. I agree. It's fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, players who are out. Uh, Bradford, Diggs, Terrence West, Mohamed Sanu, Sterling Shepard, Paul Perkins, and basically every giant skill player you can think of except for Shane Vereen and Wayne Coleman. So, um, yeah, that would be a fun one. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do this poll on Twitter later. Over under one, over under 0.5 for the Giants. I'll take the over on 0.5. <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would set the line at like 9.5. Like, will will they get to 10 points? Oh, is no. it is a fair question? That would have to be garbage time. It would have to, or or a Trevor Simeon fumble on his own five yard line. It would have to yeah. be that. Field goals, short fields. There's, I mean, there's there's things that can happen. Special teams accidents. Uh, a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of random things that can happen in a football game, but it, it 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 seems like Ben McAdoo is going the way of Joe Philbin to the point of like losing his locker room and getting fired midseason. Like that that seems very much on the table right now. Right. I mean, it's uh, not his fault Odell Beckham got hurt, but they weren't playing well with Beckham, mm-hmm. so he's he's in trouble. Right. Um. Yeah, he's going the he's going the way of Ray Hanley, actually. <laughs> so Ray Hanley was actually seven and nine for those two years, I think. That's bad. There's a whole other uh, the Ray Hanley stuff is bizarre, but that's another story for another day. That could get us sued if I started talking about it. So forget it. <laughs> um, all right everybody most of you tried daily fantasy sports games and i know how it went you had fun playing you loved competition and you know you just didn't win and uh, you know and losing was absolutely no fun because you know sharks took your money um and, and we're here to tell you about a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports the fanball number at fanball.com here's the fanball difference your fanball number identifies your skill level and ensures that you play in contest against players at your skill level if your fanball number is let's say 35 you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s they have their own contests fanball.com every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number so you can find a contest rated around that 35 and know that it'll have players in it just like you they've leveled the playing field with fanball number at fanball.com have more fun and a better chance to win with fanball Fanball fanball.com okay um we are gonna go to my papers are stuck together here we go 
the weekly Friday segment of the players you really want to see. Who do you really want to see? <sighs> Who do I really want to see? Well, it, it's a lot of the usual suspects. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm locked in on my own teams. I'm self-interested. But I would say the newcomers to that list, Samaj P. Ryan with Rob Kelly, doubtful. Yes. Going up against San Francisco. How about $4,100 on Fanball, by the way? That's a, that's a great price. He's, he's cheap a lot of places, but I think that's the lowest price I've seen so far. Uh, C.J. Anderson coming off the bye against the Giants. Giants haven't been able to stop the run. Giants probably won't be able to sustain drives. Giants will probably be very tired from playing at altitude. Giants will probably be very sick of Ben McAdoo just from everything that's happening this week. So the the potential for just a complete meltdown, lose by 30, Denver just piling up yardage game is is all there. Like it checks all of the boxes uh, on that front. Uh, Jordan Reed coming off a bye also. Kind of interested to see what he does. I mean, we haven't really got much from Jamison Crowder. This could be maybe a good matchup for him against San Francisco. So really kind of the Washington offense as a whole. I agree with that. Like, can Jay Gruden start to put it together? Can he get more from Terrell Pryor? He had that TD over Marcus Peters uh, in the last game before the bye. Do they show up and and put up big numbers in what should be a really easy spot for them at home against the Niners? Jordan Reed, too. I was talking to Tim about it yesterday. You know, he's healthy now, or as healthy as he's been all year anyway. Um, And Cousins loves it. Like, all of a sudden, you know, we're all kind of going, oh, Jordan Reed, he's always hurt. All right, but he's not right this second. So... Um, yeah, I like Jordan Reed this week too, but I agree. I agree with you. I'm with you on the Redskins offense and I have a P Ryan. I mean, P Ryan, because Kelly's out or most likely out. Remember P Ryan's had two games this year. He, in weeks two and three, he carried 21 and 19 times. And I know he didn't do a lot, but you know, they're playing kind of a bad team. They should be up a decent amount. They're going to run the ball. That kind of volume you, you, you almost can't turn down, especially if it's cheap in DFS, like you said. So, yeah. That definitely on the on the list of, of things I'm interested in uh, the Saints backfield. I mean, it wasn't like Adrian Peterson was playing a ton, but giving a little more to Ingram and Kamara makes that duo more interesting, more viable. Extra chances for those guys to touch the ball means better things can happen. I mean, they, they're, they're both more dynamic than Peterson at this stage of his career. I guess how Peterson does in Arizona is of some interest. I don't have him anywhere. I think he's done. Doesn't mean that he won't have the occasional good game. The volume should be there. But you know, does he look any different getting more carries in Arizona? Probably not. Uh, I kind of want to see the Jags defense against the Rams. Are they good enough to slow down Todd Gurley and really force Jared Goff to beat them? That's kind of an interesting thing about that late afternoon matchup. Packers running back situation. How much will Ty Montgomery play if he plays at all? How much will Aaron Jones get? That's pretty interesting. You know, what's going on with Jordy Nelson's back? I, I kind of want to see if he's limited in any way. It's just twice now he's had to leave games early. This time it was a little later. Just that last drive. They said he was getting treatment, but I think he was standing next to Mike McCarthy on the sideline during that drive. So that didn't look like treatment. That looked like they were just erring on the side of caution because he felt something that wasn't right. So that's kind of interesting. If he's out there, he probably gets a lot of Xavier Rhodes. So that means Devonta Adams and Randall Cobb and maybe Martellus Bennett if they can keep that pass rush at bay. Like those three guys will ultimately get a little more in terms of target volume. All right. Um, Adrian Peterson, rest of the season. Cardinals have 11 games left over under 500 yards. Under. Yep. Me too. So 
we are not hopeful of this. No, even though he has a role, like you can see, there's a, there's a path, but I don't think it's I don't think it's going to work. I mean, he's he's old. He, he just hasn't looked great this season or last when we have seen him on the field. Offensive line for Arizona isn't great. There's just a little bit of everything kind of working working against him. You know, I guess we could put Mitchell Trubisky on the list. Is he good enough to keep teams from completely loading up the box against Jordan Howard? My guess is no. But if you're a Jordan Howard owner, you'd like to see uh, the Bears do a little more in the passing game to open some things up. At Baltimore is another tough assignment, though, for a rookie quarterback. I know the Ravens have been all over the place this year, but they do tend to play very well at home. Yeah, that's a nightmare set up for him. Um, the one thing about the Saints backfield you, remember, you, you mentioned, um, every, everybody is, uh, is very fired up about Alvin Kamara right now, and, and understandably so. The, one, the thing we got to remember about Ingram, two, two things. First, every year we complain about his usage, and every year – he, he basically reaches his value as a fantasy pick, right? I mean, he, he, you know, he's a top 15 back and you complain, you think he should be more, but you know, you pick him in the fourth round and he winds up as the 15th fantasy back or the 14th or whatever. And you know, his production just always seems to get there. You know what I mean? Even though we think he should get more volume. Um, the other thing is for all the talk about Kamara and you look at it now and you say, Oh, well, you know, Kamara, he's the pass catcher. Four games, Ingram's got 15 catches already. That is a 60-catch pace, and that is not abnormal for him. He's, he, get, he just gets his 50. He gets – I'm going to look at the season stats right now. Um, last year, 46. The year before, he got 50. So he is – PPR-wise, he is just – he's just solid, isn't he? Yeah, he, he really is. And uh, I like him a lot. The DFS prices have really kind of tailed off. He's still priced, and Kamara's still kind of priced like this too. Uh, across the board as though Peterson's there to take a few carries. So you're getting a slight discount on both Saints running backs. Yep. Um, the other things I want to see, I want to see Stafford versus the New Orleans defense because, because the, as I think Tim said this, that the New Orleans defense isn't the pushover that we're used to possibly. Um, I want to see if Stafford sort of steps up statistically. The other one, uh, I don't know if I, I maybe I want to see this because it's like a car crash, but Amari Cooper, right? At some point, does this, this has to turn. Doesn't it? I mean, it has it, to turn it, from here. It got. It has to get better than this. Just how much? Right. Unless he's playing with like a tear, <laughs> his right. leg of some kind or something. Like we're, we're either missing information or he's going to get better. Like there's there's not really a third direction that can go. Um, yeah. I mean, the Saints. Okay. So the Saints defense, they played particularly well in London against the Dolphins. Right. That was the game people saw I'm like whoa hey maybe they're not total pushovers i mean they got ripped by the vikings in week one the patriots in week two and then they surprisingly just like hammered the panthers in week three in carolina like that was that's that's the result that just is that the saints defense playing well and cam not playing well or just like all cam everything was just still off for him like how much that that's the one i'm not sure about the dolphins stink so yes. that doesn't even shutting out the Dolphins is not an achievement. They're still second in YPA allowed to opposing passers behind the Patriots, despite having two good defensive performances in their last two games. Yep. All right. Um, tons of great defense options. Which is your favorite? Denver. It's, it's, it's all. I mean, Denver off a bye at home. Giants offensive line not being good. Eli is going to look 
probably really stupid without Odell Beckham on the field. Um, and, and missing other guys in, in addition to Beckham is only going to make it worse. I mean, sacks, turnovers, TDs, maybe even like a special teams touchdown. Like I, I don't care if they're 75% owned because it's going to be the, the chalkiest call ever. I love the Denver defense this week. Yeah, it's I actually have Ravens first, Broncos second, Jags third. So, I mean, but they're all you just there. There's so many great options. The Falcons are a great option. I, there's a lot going on here. Um, all right. We did this last week too. name an unusual guy in one of your starting lineups. Oh, I'd like to direct your attention to my Scott Fishbowl League yes. lineup at this time because I always have a weird player in that lineup. Well, there's 11 the guys in your lineup, so you're more likely to have it there. Yeah. Um, in that league, not as weird as it could be. I mean, Devontae Parker's not going to play, so that leaves me with one of Travis Benjamin, Michael Floyd, Jeremy Macklin, Seth DeValve, Austin Hooper. It might be Austin Hooper. This week, I kind of like the Hooper setup, actually. I think it's Austin Hooper for you. He's, he's the weird one. Yeah. OK, uh, mine. Well, I have this one team and a 12 teamer that I have. A.J. Green and Dez on a buy. So mm. I, I went the Ricardo Lewis route to fill in the right. receiver. What's so. your expectation for Ricardo Lewis? <sighs> I don't know. Expectation. It's such a weird word to use for a Cleveland Browns receiver. You yeah, know? like six fantasy points. Is that is that what's going to take for you to be happy? Uh, apparently. Well, I, I saw a stat somewhere the other day. It talked about when Hogan came in, he threw to him more last week. Like the, 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 the target, the market share went up for him. Hmm. So Ricardo was, I don't know, four or five catches. So PPR wise, 10 points. Well, if you get to 10 in PPR, you're pretty happy, I bet. I'm very excited. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the weird one. Otherwise, I don't think I have weird, weird. That's about as weird. Tyler Higby might be weird. Fishbowl is Tyler Higby. That's tight end centric. Yeah, I played Higby last week in the NFFC because of the Gronk injury. And that was actually, that was all right. right. He was at least, he's involved in the offense. I mean, that's, that's decent. Yes. <laughs> As a desperation play, um, he's with the. I mean, he's playing against the Jags too, so um, that is a bad situation the Rams are walking into. Really, really is. Those guys are good. They're so good. Give me a good test. I still don't trust. Here's here's what I don't trust about them. Not they it's, it's not the scheme or the talent or anything that they can control. It's Blake Bortles making them play defense for thirty eight to forty minutes in yeah. Florida heat. Like that's that's the thing that I'm worried about is like they're they could just be on the field constantly. Leonard Fournette does a lot to reduce the likelihood of a complete like zero from the offense. But man, if Leonard Fournette ever gets hurt, the Jags are just that team that could play great defense and do nothing else. Like yep. they they would they would be shut down. They're the two thousand Ravens, essentially. Yeah, or the Super Bowl Bears team that that Peyton Manning beat right the gro the grossman bears like that's that's about what they would be probably without the special teams that, that the bears had that season see we were i think you and i talked in the preseason we, we speculated who the i think this was you and me but i'm not sure who who the two who would be the quarterback for the 2018 jaguars 
because we thought the defense would come this year and then they'd have to they'd have to do something at quarterback. Mm-hmm. But the but the prediction that we came up with was Alex Smith, and now Alex Smith is blowing that out of the water because like, yeah, I, this is it's a lot less likely to happen because even though the Chiefs, I know they drafted Mahomes, but they're at the end of the season. If they keep this up and they go thirteen and three, what are they going to do? It's a strange problem for them to have. I still think you would cash out on Alex Smith after the season because the compensation you'll get in the form of the draft picks, yeah. Will will be better after this season than you ever would have thought. Well, is he so? Wait, but he's unrestricted, right? Wouldn't I he, thought he still had. I thought he had one more year beyond this year, but they were just at a point where they could easily cut him. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't have the contract details, so yeah, you might be right. But yeah, he would be if the Jags' defense is this good. He would be the perfect fit, right? Just a guy that doesn't go out and make mistakes. I, I remember hearing an interview with Urban Meyer a long time ago. It was Meyer might have still been at Florida. But he, you know, he coached Alex Smith at Utah. Right. And someone asked him about Smith and, hey, what's the deal? Like, what's why isn't he as good as Aaron Rodgers or some, something along those lines was the question, because at the time they were drafted, that was supposed to be a toss up. Uh, Smith does have one year left on his deal. Twenty eighteen. He's under contract. Okay. But Urban Meyer said something kind of interesting in that interview. And I don't know if it was just coach speak, but it, it didn't seem like it. It, it. He said it takes Alex a little longer to fully pick up a system than other quarterbacks I've had. But once he gets it, he's great. Like it, it just, and you think, okay, well, there was a lot of turnover throughout his career with, with coaching changes, right? I mean, San Francisco had a lot of problems and uh, multiple coaches he worked with and coordinators. So part of that's his own inconsistency that causes the turmoil in the first place. But if you have someone who needs continuity to figure it out and you don't offer continuity as an organization, <laughs> you don't have the chance of, of maybe fully tapping into uh, that guy's skill set. Now, the fact that it's happening this late in his career is a little bit puzzling, but it's at least logical when you consider you know that explanation from Meyer and that he's been working with Andy Reid now for several years. Yep. All right. Um. Yeah, I don't, but you're. I agree with you about Blake Bortles. That's just a. At some point, your quarterback's gonna have to make a play, and, and he's not gonna. Everybody buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I'm telling you, it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps, and I can instantly find seats. Actually, what I recommend, Eric, is that any Yankee fans in Houston hop on SeatGeek now, get some tickets, and go disrupt the, the Astros fans. That's what I think you should do. If you're anywhere near Houston, get over there, get on SeatGeek, get some tickets, and just, just be loud, and don't let the Astros fans enjoy anything tonight or tomorrow. You know... I actually had this weird interest in seeing the Yankees beat the Indians, and I feel bad about that as a, <laughs> an outside observer. It felt like rooting for uh, you know, for for the dark side. Yeah, but I think there's a a prevailing feeling across the country, people who, who are rooting at all about you know baseball this time of year. We all want Houston to beat the Yankees. Sure, like every non-Yankees fan on the planet is like, yeah, let's, let's, you, I, I bet there's even like Rangers fans out there that are like, 
yeah, we want to see Houston win. Yep. Just, I mean, Harvey and the things they've had to deal with and it just, it makes sense. Right. And, and it's a good, it's a likable team. They have okay. a lot of likable players on that team. So it would be for me, that's the team that I'd most like to see win of the remaining four. Um, I bet the Cubs because of the odds and I'm not even sure the Cubs are going to get past the Dodgers because the Dodgers pitching is pretty ridiculous. It really is. Um, yeah, I actually told someone yesterday what, what happens every, uh, I do the, the Panthers pregame radio show every week. I do five minutes and the guy who's the host, who's a friend of mine is an Indians fan. So last Sunday morning, he gave me some grief, you know, he, Hey, we, you know, Oh, we're at the end. We don't have time to talk about the Yankees and the Indians. And I basically told him to, you know, shut up. And he was a jerk. <laughs> and, and last night I got back on with him and, you know, said, Hey, can we bring this up again? <laughs> because, and what I said to him was, you'll appreciate this. There's nothing people everywhere like more than a Yankee fan rubbing someone's nose in it when the Yankees win. Everybody loves that. Right. So, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I hope I never see a Yankees Cardinals World Series. If, if, <laughs> if, if that ever happens, like I will probably not watch a single pitch. Like I will yeah. go outside and play like glow in the dark disc golf or do something else with my time during the World Series if it comes down to that. Yeah, this is like me with, I mean, I, I won't watch the movie Fever Pitch. I just refuse to ever watch it. <laughs> I mean, why I'm, would I do that? I'm going to want to watch the Red Sox win the World Series. Come on. Well, it looks like a stupid movie, too. On That's top of true. That. So why bother? Like, but my wife was one night we were flipping. Well, what do you mean? It's a baseball movie. I'm like, I'm not watching that. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, um, whether you're buying those Yankee tickets in Houston tonight or anywhere else, SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. Best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. Thanks, SeatGeek. All right. Players you love. I think we talked about mine already. Who do you love this week? I mean, not, you know, love, they're my first ranked guy at a position, but you feel like you love him more than other people. Uh, more than other people, quarterbacks, I mean, I think I'm, I'm on a lot of the same guys most people are on. I like Breeze at home coming off the bye. I like Matt Ryan at home coming off the bye. He's due for kind of a, a monster game. And yes. I think the Dolphins are easier to throw against than they are to um, than they are to run against. So that, that bodes well. Healthy Julio is a factor there, too. Uh, so quarterbacks, I'm, I'm pretty chalky this week there. If I had to go cheaper, I do like McCowan quite a bit, even though I know there's a stupid downside to it just because just of the Jets. But I, I'm probably not going cheap there. I think the running back situation is one where I would take more chances. Lamar Miller against Cleveland, hmm. just from a volume standpoint, looks like a nice play in DFS price, like a mid tier running back could get you more like low end RB one sort of production. So that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, P Ryan, I talked about before. Yeah. He's if on my Bilal, list too. If Bilal Powell gets ruled out, do you like Elijah McGuire too? Like, ugh, I'm, I'm very pro jets suddenly. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. I don't either. It, turned, it looks like Forte is going to play. So I don't know how much that you and I talk. You and I talked about how that could muck things up, um, even with Powell out. I mean, yeah, I do like Elijah McGuire. He, he's, he's absolutely in play to start as, a, as probably an RB2. I mean, I think I have him in that close to that range. I've got him 20, 
actually I have him 30th, but I think that's, that's given him a little, probably not enough credit. So yeah, he's playable. Uh, Jamal Charles. I mentioned CJ Anderson earlier. I mean, I, I like Anderson, but I also like Charles. I think this could be such a high volume game for Denver that Charles is going to be a, a decent flex play. And for GPPs, he might be a nice uh, second running back option. If you want to go a little cheaper than Anderson and have a crack at maybe getting five yards of carry on 12 carries, some catches and a TD. I think he could have that kind of game since it could be so uh, lopsided between uh, the, the giants and, uh, and Broncos this week. Uh, other running backs. I mean, Aaron Jones, I like, I just don't feel good if Montgomery's out there. So probably going to stay away from the green Bay running backs in daily. Um, I don't think there's any like crazy cheap punt plays that I'm, I'm leaning on this week. Do you have anybody that's like 5,000 or less that you like, or 5,500 and under that you like? I mean, Charles is 54 on FanDuel, for example, but there's not much else below that that I feel good about. Taylor Gabriel. Oh, you're um, going to the Gabriel plan. Here's why. And it's funny because last game he got a goose egg. Last game they played, that was when they lost to the Bills. And that was the game Sanu got hurt. And, and Gabriel got a goose egg. But he was on the field for 60 snaps because of that injury. I think they're going to win pretty handily over the Dolphins. Like, I, I think there's going to be a, I, I, I feel like we're ready. You talked about Ryan a minute ago. I feel like we're ready for this Falcons explosion in this game off the bye. And Gabriel, you know what? I mean, you got Julio and then you got Hooper and then Sanu's out. And you know what? I think, I think this kind of sets up for, for Gabriel having a solid game and he's not going to cost you much. Hmm. All right. That's uh, I mean, I, I like that as a GPP call for sure. Cause he doesn't need a lot of volume to produce ever. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. There are some cheap receivers that are worth mixing in. And, um, you know, Willie Sneed coming back from his hamstring injury. Jamison Crowder seems like he's going to do a little more this week. So I could see arguments for them as well. Marvin Jones is really cheap on FanDuel. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that he's only 5,900 going up against the Saints. Got to think Stafford and the Lions get pretty good volume in the passing game this week. What are you doing with Will Fuller? Like, I, I, at first blush, I like him. But I, I wonder if in, if in tournaments he's going to be just heavily, heavily owned at like 6,000. Yeah, and I'm on. He's 5,200 at um, on DraftKings. I'm not using Will Fuller. I, I think the, the touchdowns the last two weeks have has, have were were so were fluky, and they're inflating his price. He's not he's not busy enough for me to for me to spend that kind of money. All right, all right. I mean, he's you know he's fast and all that, and he can he's a big play type. You know, he's you know, he's he's the stereotypical tournament play for for daily fantasy because he can catch a 70 yard touchdown because he can run past everybody and catch a ball but i mean i get the two touchdown you know target wise eh, just okay and last week you know the, the i i don't know i'm i'm just not i'm not on board that train with wolfo so. understandable um deshaun jackson kind of in the mid-range 6400 on fan duel up against arizona like him in tournaments again Dealing with digs out gets a, a bump for me. I think he's yeah. going to get a little more. And uh, even Kyle Rudolph becomes more, more interesting as an alternative tight end. He's not my top ranked guy by any stretch. I mean, I prefer Gronk if he's out there. I prefer Jordan Reed. Uh, but Rudolph's price has come down enough where I think you could use him uh, as, say, maybe like a pivot from an Evan Ingram or a George Kittle. Both of those guys could have spikes in ownership this week. 
I think Rudolph could be slightly under the radar, a little less so because of the digs absence, but I could see Rudolph getting more because it seemed like his target volume was at its best last season when Diggs was not available. Right. Um, okay. Oh, the other one, Evan Ingram, just because I want to see if Eli can throw him the ball 15 times or maybe more. Cause really what Makes else sense. is he going to do? Yeah. Does, yeah. He's going to, he's going to get force fed targets. Will they put one of the corners on him? I mean, is that something they could do? Could they, if they line him up out of the slot and everything like that could be, I would, one of the challenges, uh, do you, if you're the Giants, do you line them up as a tight end to make it less likely that they put a corner on him? That's a good. That's a good point. Because if he doesn't, yeah, I mean, really putting a corner on him would be the no-brainer way to go. I guess at this point, I don't trust Ben McAdoo to do anything. So, God, man, it's just terrible. It's so bad. I don't know. I I just it's disgusting. I keep I I I keep I keep doodling. Josh McDaniels' name in my uh, in my school binder <laughs> all the time for them. Uh, what are you doing, with Darren Fells? Nah, <laughs> come on, nah, come on, really? Nah, I, I'm not playing him in the Saints. DFS. I know, I get it. Two tight, there's a two tight end league where I'm playing him in Stopa League. I'm playing him, but that's you know, I'm actually playing ball. Ebron in in Fishbowl because Ooh, I'm that, stuck. That's a weird play at this point. Yeah, it is a weird play. I, I feel like I don't have good options because I have two wide receivers on by and it's just, a, you know, it's a it's a mess you know, for this week. And I, I, I've looked and I went, I, I think he's my best option. Bye weeks are the worst, right? Especially in that, you've got to start 11 people. So, yeah, that's 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 terrible. So let me check that lineup again. Hold on. So I've got Ebron in who's out because I had Burkhead. He's out. Jeremy Hill. He's on a buy. Shady's on a buy. My other options would be the Charknado, uh, one of the Raiders' backup running backs, because I have both of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Parker's out. Sanu's out. So that's where I'm stuck. O.J. Howard. That's it. That's all I have. I think you've got it right, then. Eric Ebron. I am, I am riding with Eric Ebron this week. My God. That's awful. See? That's don't unfortunate. Do as we say, don't do as we do, folks. That's the lesson you've just learned <laughs> right there. I, I don't know what to do about the fishbowl. Like, the fishbowl is hard. Like, it's just everything's so thin, and you got to start so many players. Like, it just comes down to either hitting on a, a rare, like, available player on the wire or just doing exceptionally well as you move through the later rounds of your draft. Like, that's, that yeah. to me is it, it's a really tough league. It's a lot of fun, though. It is a lot of fun. I mean, that's why I was for a guy like, you know, when I picked up Elijah McGuire a couple of weeks ago, I was so excited because I, a, a warm body, a player that will actually yes. get chances to play. Right. But, uh, oh, yes, the rest of it, it's, it's like I said, Eric Ebron and Tyler Higby on playing a tight end. Wish me luck, folks. All right, Derek, what else are we doing for everybody this weekend before the game start? I know we have uh, Heaney's doing a Facebook Live on Sunday at noon or 1230. Uh, I don't remember the start time. It's around noon. So okay. it might be. I think it, I think he sets it up a little bit earlier than having it run up into kickoff. So Got keep it. an eye on the Facebook page for the details on that. Uh, Jeff's weekly rankings are up. DFS tools are up. Mario's film review. Check it out. Rotowire.com slash pod. A free 10 day trial. Lots of lots of good stuff that'll help you uh, get ready for the upcoming week. All right. Everybody listeners to this podcast and get a free 10 day Rotowire trial. Rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Um, reviews and ratings. You've been doing that a lot lately. Thank you. Keep them coming. Tell your friends. 
Thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode is going to be coming on Monday, so please check back then when Derek and I will wrap up the weekend's action. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week six.